Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robertazzi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. We just celebrated the one-year anniversary of our show and thought it would be fun to invite on a special guest host to help us reflect on the wisdom of our past guests, what Tony and I have learned so far, and what the future of the show might hold. Our guest host is Jennifer Palmer, a self-described techie, a full-time writer, and my favorite person in the world, which is very fortunate for me as I happen to be married to her. You can find out more about Jennifer and her writing in the show notes, So for now, let's just dive into the conversation. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. My name is Jennifer Palmer. I'm here playing the role of host to celebrate the first anniversary of the Artist Engineer podcast. I'm here with Tony Tran and Bill Robertazzi, and we're excited to pick their brains a little bit about the journey they've been on. It's been super inspiring for someone such as myself, I consider myself an artist and techie. So throughout my life, I've worn various hats. Currently, I'm a full-time writer, but technology touches everything and so does art. So it's been always a blended world for me. And I really, really appreciate having had the chance to get to know the guests that Tony and Bill have had on the show this year, they've been super inspiring. Sometimes I've come away with straight up advice that, that's been really powerful, such as Howard Robot recommending that artists don't have kids. I thought that that was uh, solid, but also he, um, in a softer moment, asked himself and, and asked others to almost redefine themselves as a robot, a human robot in service to others through art. And I really like that idea. I like that expansion of his name and his sort of alter ego into a service role through art. And then in addition to just really interesting and important advice, takeaways, there's been beautiful stories on this podcast that have been inspiring to me and have really made me think and and feel, such as Sunil Garg talking about his childhood experience of growing up without electricity in his house and neighborhood and watching the light changing throughout the day and into the night across the sky. Later, in addition to being a technical person for many years, he became an artist who works with light and does amazing light installations. So it was really beautiful to hear the way that childhood experience permeated throughout his tech and artistic life into the present. And then also there was uh, Caroline Miller, also a techie person who works in the biomedical field. And in addition to that is an artist who perhaps plays one of the most difficult artistic roles in corralling people who work for her Burning Man crew, the Flaming Lotus Girls, who create, I mean, really mind bending. I don't like to throw that phrase around, but if you see their sculptures and as I've had the pleasure of doing on the playa, there are these gigantic interactive pieces that shoot fire and are just amazing from afar and up close. So I was really psyched to hear the story of how that the pieces that they, they produce come about, all the people that it takes, all of the 
the multitasking and, and different skills that are brought to the table to, to bring this really enjoyable and meaningful experience to others. So that was super exciting to, to hear that. So I recommend everyone check out the past episodes, of course. I look forward to the future ones. There's many others I could have mentioned that have already taken place. And I'm excited to see where, where these guys take the, the show. And I, I wanted to start off by asking them about what assumptions they came in with the beginning of the year about the podcast, about the guests, about the subject matter, about artists and engineers and the, and the in-between land. Yeah, I just wanted to start out maybe with Tony first. What were some assumptions you had going into this and how they played out, how they changed, how they've been reinforced or totally altered? Great. Thanks, Jen. And I appreciate your comment about being inspired. Uh, I often don't know kind of how this will be received. People will think this is a common sense or surprising. Uh, so it's, it's good to hear. In terms of assumptions coming in, I think both Bill and I, uh, just the kind of the basis of this podcast was assuming uh, and through our, our experience seeing that there was some commonality between technical people, in my case, software engineers, um, and artistic people, and then quite a few musicians and, on my companies and teams, as well as painters, et cetera, and in conversations with, with them. In the, and over time, uh, we're trying to actually uh, identify what the actual commonality was in this podcast. I was hoping to explore that to really uh, nail it down. Was that elegance? Was it simplicity? Was it the act of creation, et cetera? And I think our guests have really um, uh, corroborated that, supported that. They all had this commonality, but in different ways, and they expressed it to us in different ways. What um, was uh, interesting for me and surprising for me is just kind of how they, um, how the different experiences made them think about it. And I'll give another example. Justin Greenland Duke had a physical art, uh, you know, dance, uh, gymnastics, et cetera. We sometimes think of art as, uh, you know, the, the music and the, and the painting, but she had the same type of uh, understanding of, of how creating using your physical form, using your body, uh, is, has a similar kind of type of creativity in her, in her case knowledge management. I think in another episode, uh, Sabrina Thompson talked about basketball. I used to do a lot of martial arts and, uh, without going into too much detail about that, there's something very common about, um, becoming an expert at something. So. Uh, in, in many ways, our guests really, for me, supported what I had an intuition of and experience of. And it's really interesting to see how it came out in, from their different experiences. Cool. Bill, you want to talk about your assumptions? Yeah, thank you. And uh, and thanks for the, the kind words as well. This has been a, a really fun experience so far. So uh, we're super pleased with the guests we've had and how it's come out. And I, I think Tony's right. I think we, we definitely had some common assumptions that there was something close in the, the artist mindset and the engineer or technical person's mindset. But I think we also veered off a little. I, I thought there was a little more space maybe between them. And, and I think Tony alluded to some of it in that uh, he was very focused on kind of the discipline and time to really build those skills. And maybe I thought people were kind of born naturally an artist, you know, the the great guitar player just sprang out of the womb and, you know, grabbed, picked up a guitar and walked away. And, you know, next thing he's, he's playing solos or something. That was, I think, a little more my assumption. I don't know that that's the case. I think I have heard much more about the, the time and craft and, and skill building that people have done. And there's still a similarity, too, on the desire to create. 
to the desire to create something. It's almost a passion and you have to kind of push it forward. And then I still think they somewhat diverge for the reasons they do it. Uh, and I, so I think there is still some space. I think artists do it maybe a little more from the heart and for a feeling and, and the engineer technical mindset is more problem solving and functional and practical. And if it's not functional and practical, why am I doing it? So I think there's still some space there, but I think in terms of my assumptions about them being a little further apart, I think they've, they've come closer together. And then, you know, and then why is that, I guess, you know, why do some people go with this, these similarities into art and full-time art making or, and why does some of them end up into engineering or technical fields? We heard some of it situational and, and what you're exposed to. And, and that was kind of interesting to think about that. If I can dive into something you said, Bill, around um, artists starting from the heart, engineers starting with problem solving, being functional. Um, it's very interesting. I, I, I see that uh, and actually in, a, in the mirror of the conversation we had uh, recently, starting from kind of the opposite ends, but trying to end up in the same place. I'll give you an example. So as an engineer, uh, you're right. I think a lot of the problems uh, uh, we face are to solve a functional problem, a practical problem. In the end, you're like, how can I make this software program, uh, design, whatever, as simple, elegant, maintainable, understandable as possible. It gets to a point where it's like, let me, like, after I've made it functional, let me get this to, like, you know, as perfectly as, 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 as I can get it. Artists, as you said, may start with creativity, et cetera, but then we heard how to really produce may use kind of uh, like project management or, as you said, kind of like very practical skill sets just to finish or deliver what, uh, what they're doing. So it almost feels like like you're starting at different opposite ends and the creativity ties it together. But uh, as you get to kind of that closer and closer to the finishing part, you're, you're melding those, those two areas. I like that point, Tony, because I remember in one of the recent episodes, you were talking about coding and how just like uh, a writer or a visual artist is always revising and going back. And you've heard that from a lot of your guests that it almost never feels like it's finished you mentioned the same thing for coding. Like after a certain point, you have to just, usually because it's time to ship, you know, in some form or another that, you know, a deadline has come up or it's just is what it is and you've exhausted all resources and, and it's kind of where it's going to be. And maybe someone has to tell you that. But I found that really, um, I hadn't thought about that possibility about the same thing being true for coding, that it's like, oh, it's never totally finished, which was, which was cool and, and speaks to what you were just saying. You know, to, to follow up on that, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, in terms of problem solving, one of your recent guests, Bill Brovold, really was referring to what he was doing as kind of building and, and exploring through a journey, not a destination. But it was it sounded to me like like a lot of problem solving. It almost challenges to a certain degree the idea that you that he's coming at it from this free floating creative impulse to make something beautiful. He was really talking about his art in terms of taking things apart and putting them back together and figuring out how they work and creating new things to see how, if they would work a certain way. It sounded very scientific. So I, I think about that and I think about like the, the flying lotus sculpture and it almost seems like some art comes at it from the other end of, of engineering and then some is is rooted in that right from the beginning. So I'm wondering if it really is the commonality is, is creativity. That's, it's just all creativity and it's just 
what buckets the outside world needs to put it in to, to make sense. Does that resonate with you or what do you think of that? Well, one thing I, I go back to uh, a lot is uh, one of our guests, Ron Diorio, he gave us an equation at one point about uh, what creativity is. And he, he said it was the combination of imagination plus productivity. And I, I like that because, you know, the imagination maybe is that spark and really openness and curiosity to imagine something. And the productivity part to me is the so that some of the practical skills, problem solving, project management, getting the right resources, maybe um, having to uh, compensate for having to create something in the physical real world that is in your mind, something different. And finally, deciding that it's finished, you ha- you need both of those. So you can imagine something and never use those functional skills to create it, or you can be very productive but not very imaginative. And uh, so I, I kind of like that and how those two come together. I think that's right, Bill. Uh, if I can answer Jen's question kind of separately, and I think we'll tie it together about is creativity the core? It's going to come back to this imagination plus productivity split in a second. I was thinking actually right before this uh, this episode, why we call out artists and engineers and say that's something different around their creativity or their problem solving versus, for example, other professions like doctors or lawyers. Like why, why are they not, they don't have creativity or problem solving? I think they do, but we, we seem to say they don't fit into this mode a little bit. My thought here is it has uh, something to do with the medium, the medium that art and kind of engineering is involved in, it starts, I think, in your mind. It's totally like a non-physical medium. And it ends up being a very physical thing. You have to produce it and deliver it to the world, uh, whether that's uh, you know in, on, a, on a recording or on a canvas or, in our case, like uh, on a computer. But when you start, um, this is where the creativity comes in. You, have, you start with this kind of, in, this, in these professions, this idealized vision of what you want to create. And I think it's different than uh, other professions that have some physical component just uh, to start with, like I said, medicine or uh, lawyers is a funny one. That's also kind of kind of a non-physical thing. But uh, the fact that you can start with a mental blank slate and then you have to work to make it as, uh, as like deliver it in, you know, it becomes very messy when you try to make it a real thing. When you try to take your idea of a novel and get exactly the right words or, you know, remove words to, to get it to fit like what your ideal version was. Um, the same thing happens in computer engineering. This kind of, I think the core thing is that first thing, imagination, uh, is kind of this core about where this commonality is between artists and engineers. Very rambling, but I hope uh, Bill has a way to uh, uh, to clarify this for us. Well, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about the, when you mentioned the lawyers and the doctors, and uh, I've actually uh, thought about hmm, maybe like a, like particularly like I, I, I was thinking like a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon, they have like an aesthetic, you know, they kind of care about that in some way. But then, I mean, I feel like I, I probably had dentists who like looked at the work of some other dentists and be like, hmm, that's really beautiful work or, you know, something to that effect. So if there are any lawyers or doctors out there who want to come on the show and talk about it, I imagine some of them do their work in a less creative way, with less imagination. Some of them uh, don't maybe have some outlets. So I'd love to hear from them as well. Well, I just want to jump in and follow up on that because I totally agree that 
you can make things beautiful in and you can make things work better and their form to be more pleasing and conducive to, to whatever the end goal is in, in every profession. But I think what Tony was speaking to and what I think of as the core is, is creation in terms of a dentist is, is not necessarily creating a new way to do things, not necessarily creating, you know, um, a whole new tool to use for the, the task. And, and more importantly, even the tools, it's, it's creating, taking an idea and, and bringing it into fruition. And so I think that's, you know, a lawyer who works perhaps to create a new law is maybe closer to that at that point. And then they usually become, you know, historical figures because I think you can create in terms of other professions that don't seem like art, you can create things that change society as well. Like ideas that you help usher into society in a new way. And that's also creative, but that's often things that come from art and engineering. It's, it's these, it's these brand new things that come into the world and they feed upon each other. I feel like getting inspiration, you know, artists from, great works of architecture and, and beautiful things around the world. There's a reason why you, you know, take your holidays in Paris to get inspiration. It's not just the, the cool cafes, it's the way they look, you know, it's the way the whole, the whole city was built and the way it, it's so beautiful. So just, just going back to that idea that it's, it's bringing something new into the world in some form. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, as you're right, if a lawyer, as you said, kind of combines elements of society and like logic and creates a new law. It's, it's not the law. That's the interesting part. It's the idea. Democracy, for example, is the idea. Uh, and that's, that's the creation part. And, the, and as we've been saying, that comes in many kind of like professions and forms, you know, but uh, the idea is, is the output of that. And just one more thing to follow up on that. And this is, I, I've taken the uh, microphone away from Jennifer so I can ask her a question because uh, <laughs> she's mentioned that we haven't had any writers on. And uh, what's wrong with Tony and Bill? Don't they believe uh, writers or uh, artists uh, and lawyers uh, often do a lot of writing as well? So, Well, it's interesting you say that too. And I, I don't want to be answering questions much as asking them, but I will say that another fascinating theme in this in the show has been the question and exploration of whether it's possible to learn how to become an artist, to learn how to become an engineer, to really to learn how to do anything if you put enough time and, and energy into that learning process. And I think there's been threads of that with Tony, I think, espousing a, a view that I find super powerful that you can, you can learn how to be something if you're willing to put enough time into it. And you've spoken about your own career in that way, learning how to become a coder and then learning how to become a manager. And I think what is interesting is that it goes back to what I hear, heard Bill saying about his assumptions was that, and I think these are the assumptions the world has, is that you, you don't learn so much how, like it's, it's not, it's a more romanticized version of the artist because it's that they don't learn, they, they are innately, you know, ready to paint, they have this talent. But then I think the funny, the funny art that that kind of hangs in the middle there is writing because writing is something we all do right I mean not all of us paint 
not all of us uh, play instruments or, or dance, but in some form, even if it's just texting, we write, we use the language. So I think there, that a lot of people, whereas they, they might say, it's interesting to me, they might say, oh, you can't learn how to paint, but you could learn how to write a book. And there are classes out there that by the dozens, that hundreds, thousands maybe, that are there to teach and, 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 and propose the idea that everybody can write a book. So I, I like that. I think it's challenging because I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, on the one hand, I think, yes, everybody can write a book, but is it going to be a piece of art? I don't know, you know, if that's possible. So these, these questions that have been percolating throughout the show, I think, are, are really interesting. Because on the one hand, they're very liberating. But on the other hand, it still goes back to this core belief that maybe art comes and, and super creative thought, which might going to engineering as well, comes from some special place. And I, I'm wondering, Tony, since you've had this, this thread uh, in some of the conversations with your guests about learning how to, to become proficient at something, is that, would you agree or disagree that ultimately you maybe can't teach someone how to create a piece of art? I agree, full stop. You can't teach someone how to create a piece of art, but let me, let me, let me back that up and, and give some details. So I think when we're saying art or even in technology, like if you reach a level of mastery, you know, you're a solution architect, that level of, of proficiency of mastery, that might be at the art level. Can anybody reach that level of mastery? I think no. Same thing with like sports, like like all of us can't be Michael Jordan if we just practice like for 10, 20 years. However, I, I think that's still true. The other side of it is that anybody can pick up a skill uh, and reach a level of proficiency, really close to mastery, much more than, uh, as you said, maybe society assumes that you can. I'm not a painter. I'm not a singer. Take some vocal lessons, and by definition, you're a singer. Uh, and if you if you do it for a few years, you'd probably be a very good singer. So I I think um I, I think there's there's a there's an optimism there, um and it's it's nothing I think negative to say like you you know you you can't reach a level of mastery at, at everything. I think that people can understand that. And then the final thing I'll say is that um, how do you identify, you know, an area in your own life where you might have a chance to reach a level of mastery? It goes back to, I think, something that Bill said in the beginning. It, it is true. We have natural preferences and skills and natural talents. I think that's true. It doesn't hold you back from areas where you don't have natural talent. And those are, um, if we're talking about artists and engineers, um, it goes back to, I think, uh, what we said before. Natural skill is something to do with creativity and problem solving. Um, and if you have that kind of innate curiosity, problem solving, like itch, et cetera, that's, uh, uh, you tend, uh, I think you'll tend to gravitate towards, um, uh, towards these chronic creative fields. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's everybody has a potentiality or not everybody has a potentiality for all of these things, but, and maybe that's that natural, you're born that way. There's a potential for you to do something and then the interests, skill level, interest certainly is probably into that itch to scratch. And that's what actually maybe drives people to impulse them in a direction to work at it and develop that skill. And then the, the second thing you said I thought was great was, uh, you know, that it, it, what society tells you you can or can't do, that's such a big part of it. And Jennifer and I have talked about that where, you know, in, in school, once the, once, you know, you, you, you sing in choir and then 
you know, by whatever fourth grade or third grade, you know, they start separating the kids who really have the beautiful voices and the other ones will, you know, they're kind of like, mm, you know, or, or it's almost unspoken, you know, but you're not a singer. So you stop singing. Right. And, and the other ones maybe go on a little bit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting this this question of you of when you decide or figure out that you're good at something and we seem I think we tend to lock down way too early on that. And there's also a lot of assumptions and um, a question also of you know, assumptions about who can do what from a very early age that that shape us. And then why do you want to do this? Is it only to be like great at it, so to speak? Some people you know, really enjoy singing just to sing and just, you know, and found, found that they returned to something that somebody told them they couldn't do because they weren't good at it and they love it, you know, so there, so there's that. But then another question is, or another part of the equation is what do you have access to? And I think on your show, we saw with the Makerspace folks and with, um, I know her name is Nefertiti Pocahontas. Um, Sabrina. Sabrina, yes. Um, I thought that's her story was amazing because she started out more on the artistic creative side that way, very creative person, obviously. But but then once she later in her schooling got access to the the world of engineering, just like the makerspace folks are giving kids the access to engineering that was what she wanted to do. And that's kind of like a funny twist on the story. Cause usually it's like, Oh, you go to school and you learn these, you know, numbers and all that, that boring stuff. And then you find out that what you really want to do is art and you drop all that. But, but I think these are assumptions we've made this romanticized story about art and engineering. When, when you look at the maker space, it's like super sexy and romantic. It's like looking at like, you know, creating beautiful things in a community and, doing it for the love of that creation. So I think that's changing the story a little bit. And I think I see that with your guests and some of the things that you've explored. And certainly Burning Man is, is another example of like where creativity and the joy of engineering, that is the art. The whole city wouldn't work without some serious engineering shops. And you come out of your time at Burning Man really respecting people who know how to do kind of work because otherwise there wouldn't be a burning man so yeah I just think like I'm interested to see like if you're going to like look more at like equity issues even on this show because I feel like it's been touched upon but in capitalism and in and with resources the way they are like it'd be interesting to try to discover more stories about how maybe the, the script gets flipped a little bit, you know, where you, you start out one way and then you have access to something else and um, it changes things, but you're still a very creative person. I don't know. I'm just kind of riffing off of like, again, the inspiration of your guests, but. I'll say I haven't. I mean, this, this idea of access to uh, ideas, even like Sabrina says, I didn't even know what engineering was access to um, uh, resources, the maker spaces, for example, uh, even I'll, I'll remind us of an example in the opposite direction. Ron was a Ron Diorio was a software person, and then he got his hands on a digital camera, and then he said, "Well, I, I realized I can make art as well." But it, it's it's a very interesting topic that I haven't thought about a lot. If we have this potential we're talking about, what holds us back? What leads us? You know, makes us successful, and what you know, what could we do about it as a society? But also, what lessons we can learn from from our guests who kind of went through that uh, discovery themselves. For myself, uh, you know, I'll say that 
you know, I, I always joke, if you knew me 10, 15 years ago, you would laugh. I was, I was the most nerdy, introverted, ineloquent, socially awkward person you could meet until I struggled to say, like, I, I need to manage people and I don't know how to do it. And then only in hindsight, after I, I kind of found some resources and I said, I, I, you know, I realized I can get good at something else. Um, those even, as I said, for, for me, it seems like we're so mature and advanced, but I, I'm a, I was in the same situation as, as our, as our guests as well, not realizing that I had some, the ability to, to master another field. So I think it's, it's a great topic that uh, I think we can explore. When you say that, like, I guess it would be just interesting to hear, like, what was the aha moment or the breakthrough that you realized you could manage people? Was it just by trying and failing and, or was it, because I think a lot of people, and I've, I've worked with some of them, don't think that they can manage people in technical places. And so they don't, yeah. you know, they, they end up staying in their corner yeah. and doing a great job. But so, yeah, was there a single yeah. moment or was it just totally a process? I feel like there must have been a moment. Yeah, there was definitely a moment. I found the right resource. And uh, I'll mention the resource now. The resource meaning a way to learn how to be a management uh, manager. Often we think about management and maybe we think about many things we're talking about now as uh, you're just born with it. You know, you're born with the kind of the personality to be a manager and I'm not, so I'll just do my individual contributor work. And I, I felt that way as well. Those managers above me, like they know how to talk, they know how to negotiate. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Uh, but then I found the right resources that actually taught you how to do it. And what I realized uh, and there's a couple of podcasts and a couple of books, uh, which I, we might mention in the, in the notes. Uh, what I realized was that I didn't have to figure this out on my own. Like people figured this out before me. And I had always been trying to figure this out on my own, even in engineering. At a certain point, I said, people figured out how to do all this kind of high end architectural planning and, and design before me. So I started to read as many books from like the key resources as possible. That's when I realized that, um, after this, uh, I call my second career, the management career, if there is a uh, area where uh, I have interest or any anybody has interest or wants to learn, you're not the first person who has done it. It was, it was a realization at, uh, after the second time I did it, the first time was realizing that engineering uh, was figured out by a lot smarter people than me. I just had to like tap into that resource. This is something Tony and I've talked a lot about and our original collaborations were around our, our uh, interest and love of uh, management and leadership. It's interesting. I do a, a mentoring program with the Technology Association of Grant Makers called the Emerging Leaders Initiative, where I, I shepherd a, a cohort every year of uh, new leaders and match them with mentors. And the last two cohorts, interesting, about half or more were not interested into moving into management because of seeing it as almost problematic and, and like, why would I want all that messiness and, and so forth? And I think there are those two kind of um, tracks that happen that either people go into them and, uh, and just fail at it and, and cause all kinds of damage to people underneath them and around them. And then stick with it because that's the track you have to go. And I want to commend you on like even noticing when you got into it, it's like, oh, I'm not very good at this. I need to improve. A lot of people get in there and don't bother improving. And that's unfortunate, right? Because managers and, and, and supervisors and leaders have such a big impact on people's lives. And then the second part is being worried that, that, that I can't do it um and not just you know going so they don't accept that track and they just keep doing their other that's the other part and that that almost speaks to a lot of other things of not 
uh, putting your art out there or not taking that leap. Like Howard Robart said, is like getting up on stage that first time was just a leap of faith and it was going to be bad, but I'm going to go do it. So, uh, so I, I think you're right. And it does speak to that, you know, people were born with certain potentialities and skills and, and it's not a straight line and the same, it may take some people 10,000 hours, may take others a thousand and, and uh, there's a continuum there. Maybe this speaks to the power of mentors and the question of access to resources and information. We talk about like bootstrapping, learning, learning it on our own, taking a leap of faith, but uh, the power of mentors is, is, is amazing. If, uh, and I think some of our guests had, had those mentors as well. Sabrina mentioned her, her high school teacher uh, that introduced her to engineering. If you're interested in the field, maybe you have interest and you're not sure if you have the ability or the, uh, you know, the, the makeup for it, definitely talk to a mentor. I guarantee a mentor is going to make you feel like you have a, a much more of a chance, chance to do it. Uh, you don't have to do this all on your own. I think what I'm hearing is really interesting because this, this idea of doing it all on your own versus finding help and being open to that. And, and I think that becomes more, that becomes easier to do when there are already communities flourishing in some form or another. And I wonder if you how do you think of the podcast and its audience? Is it, does, does it, the word community ever come up? Is that something you could see fostering in the future? Cause I would be interested in a sort of exchange, an ongoing exchange, or just it's already a repository of, of information and, and helpful information for folks who find themselves sometimes struggling as some of your guests were alone for a while to try to find the balance between you know, using their creative skills to express themselves in the way that they really wanted to and also being able to make money, which is equally important in our world. So it just feels like that could be a resource. Have you have you given that ever any thought or how do you think of this this block of information and, and all these these digital files of great conversations? Finally, we get to uh, the chance to talk about Bill and I's conversation about this exact episode, whether this podcast is a uh, useful or interesting, or useful and interesting. <laughs> so to, to answer your exact question, and we, before we go into that little anecdote, so I think there's two things. I mean, based on uh, uh, kind of us as hosts kind of talking through what we want this to be, definitely it's just exposure. It's just like we thought uh, and observed that there's some commonality and trying to expose like different people in their fields and our audience who might be thinking or having a feeling that um, there is something like that it becomes real when they, they hear their stories from other people. So I hopefully encourage them to, uh, uh, to explore that area uh, of area of interest if they, if they, if they want to. And the second thing about the, uh, the usefulness, I hope our guests and ourselves as well as hosts have lessons learned, tips and tricks and things like that. Um, and that's the repository besides the inspirational stories of people, which are, which are amazing. Uh, the repository that we're kind of hopefully kind of build up. Uh, as we continue with this podcast. And that's that's my hope for what we're able to achieve. Tony mentioned this conversation we've been having and it, so this episode, and I think the show in general, it, it's good. We come out of two different directions, which Tony's always, it has to be useful to people. It has to be a takeaway. And I also, am, you know, I said, that's great, but it, it also should be interesting and hopefully entertaining, especially to me. But I, I think Jennifer's question is really interesting because 
you know, what's the future hold for this show? It, it could be a community or other types of content or combing out learnings and themes in a, in a different type of format that can be shared. And, and we have talked about those type of things as well. And that maybe is a place where more useful information can be. And then the stories of people are very inspiring, but, you know, combing the themes out and trying to be intentional about how we share them and in what formats we share them could be a future for it, for sure. Well, it's also just brings up some other uh, aspects of the creative process that you both have explored. And it's a little bit of the question of unstructured time, it, the, how necessary that is for, for creativity, that, that if you're always just banging your head against solving problems, sometimes you have to step away and have unstructured time and you know, many of your guests have talked about this. It becomes very difficult when you're working tons to try to, to make a living. And that's a sort of issue with capitalism. But I guess what I'm, I'm offering um, is that the podcast itself, just by exploring these issues, sometimes it, it doesn't have to be, I would you know, offer, like it doesn't even have to be goal-driven to be useful. So it's like an, it's a time spent almost for people to, you know, sit around the campfire, the digital campfire and share stories. And it might not be a totally tangible takeaway, but that doesn't, I would, I would just, you know, encourage you both not to think of that as, is the only, and you're not saying that it's the only goal, but sometimes it can be like, Oh, what was that about? You know, But it, it's about, this feeling that someone takes away, it, Tony, to what you just said of not being alone, you know, being like, there's someone else like me, their story is not exactly like me. But so I, I guess I'm just saying just more stories, more personal, how they did it stories in whatever format and giving people a chance to tell that is, is also just huge. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, other people are, are going to reach out to, to tell stories that are even you know, don't fit the mold even of what we're thinking right now as an artist or engineer, because there's always new arts and always new, you know, kinds of, of engineering, creative, creative people making things. For sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the stories are going to run out because people are just so unique in their stories. And that's obviously, uh, I went back and re-listened to the, the intro that we did for this show. And, and I think what I said, I was looking most forward to is just hearing about people's stories. They're human, you know, just this, from this human interest level. And so I always find it just them more fascinating than anything. So, uh, so I don't think that'll run out. And I think you're right. I think you just don't know how it's touching other people who hear it because everybody hears it differently too, and relates to it differently. And showing that people reach out and say, you know, this meant this to them or that I was, I'm surprised by, which stories hit which people in my life um, in different ways. So, so you don't, you know, that is kind of very unstructured and not goal driven, but we could have a little both maybe. Yeah, I agree. And definitely, definitely uh, we're surprised I am by often what people react to uh, in a good way. Um, you mentioned it, uh, you know, that anecdote really resonated with my own experience, you know, it mirrored what I, what I had to struggle with um, even for, for us, it might be a throwaway comment or a throwaway story, but it's really surprising what resonates with people. So we're at a good point maybe to wrap it up. And I just wanted to say thank you both for letting me uh, jump in here. I'm looking forward to year number two 
whatever comes of it and just wishing you both the best of luck and thanking you for the time and effort. I know it's, it's not a small task to put together content like this. Thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoyed the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.